Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio projects. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com college. So you've just started your senior year of high school. Congratulations. You've worked really hard to get here. You've had some great times, some heartbreaking moments, yet you've made it to this point. Take a moment to relax, catch your breath, and reflect on all you've accomplished. Okay, time's up. What senior hoping to get into college these days has even 10 seconds to step back from the admissions arms race? What makes uh, an individual stand out from the others? Because, you know, they get some schools get 30,000 applications and only 1,000 are admitted. I definitely am regretting some choices, like not studying enough in freshman year. So the SAT is also really nervous because I'm not sure how bad SAT is going to bring me down. Meanwhile, what parent doesn't view every other senior around the world as competitors in a Hunger Games-like struggle for precious slots at the best universities? The kids are so burnt out by the time they're done with this process that they are not even guaranteed that, that they're going to get their first, second, third choice pick. And what college counselor isn't fighting the parental perception that there are only about 20 or 30 brand name colleges worth attending? There is a sense of, um, in certain communities, of the socially acceptable set of colleges. And, and if one is not offered admission within that group, there's a high level of anxiety in terms of what do you say at cocktail parties? From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about college admissions. We're following a group of high school seniors and their families through the highs and lows of the process, and the series will unfold in real time throughout the school year. I'm your host, Julie Lifcott-Hames. I'm the former dean of freshmen at Stanford University, the mother of two teens, and the author of the recent book, How to Raise an Adult. During my years at Stanford, I witnessed firsthand the impact of the cutthroat college admissions process. I met students whose parents, desperate for perfect GPAs, overhelped with their homework and were still editing their kids' work now in college. I saw students with very impressive transcripts who weren't very interested in the items on their so-called childhood resumes because they'd done all that stuff simply to get into college. I met students who fell apart when they encountered the normal setbacks college life would throw their way because they'd not been allowed to fail in childhood, so they had no ability to handle it. As we check in over the coming school year with our diverse group of 12th graders from the New York area, we're going to try to demystify and depressurize the college application process for them, their parents, and for you, our audience. Helped by a group of experts, veteran admissions officers, and college counselors, we'll follow the journey not only of getting in, but of finding the right fit. We asked our expert panel about how to approach this year of living anxiously. They began with this simple piece of advice. If there's a college you really like, show them you like them. More and more schools are taking demonstrated interest into account. That's Park Muth. I have worked at the Office of Admission at the University of Virginia for nearly 30 years. He's now a private consultant. There's a school out there that if you live within a 50-mile radius of the school and you have not visited, it doesn't matter what your numbers are. You're not getting in because their feeling is, you live this close by and you can't even bother to visit us? How, 
how interested are you? Do you open up all the emails that the school sends you? Because there are some schools that track that. They send you emails. You don't open it. That goes into their data. That's become a whole new part of the admission process that really didn't exist a decade ago. Another of our experts is Steve LeManager. The biggest demonstrated interest one can have is if a student's applying to a school that has early decision, where you commit to attend that place if you are offered admission. Steve is a former director of admission at Princeton University. This is not across the board. There are many universities and colleges that are in that upper echelon who honestly can't say that they give a preference for early decision because their applicant pool is so broad and deep and highly competitive. However, there are many schools where applying early decision is the best way to demonstrate your interest. All through this series, our panel will share strategies, survival tips, and reveal more secrets from within the wood-paneled walls of the admissions office. And they'll answer your questions, too. At the end of today's episode, we'll tell you exactly how to do that. In a moment, we'll also hear more from our experts and meet the students we'll be following. But first, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download the books and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, iPod, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book to try out from Audible is by our very own Joshua Steckel. He's one of the experts we've got guiding students here on Getting In. Josh's book, Hold Fast to Dreams, a college guidance counselor, his students, and the vision of a life beyond poverty, chronicles the lives of 10 students from public high schools in New York in getting to and through college. If you want to listen to the book, Audible has it. With more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com college. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash college. This is Getting In. I'm Julie Lifcott-Hames. Now, let's meet our students. We caught up with them over summer break. My name is Jonathan Diaz. I'm 17, and I go to the Brooklyn School for Collaborative Studies. Jonathan Diaz is a soft-spoken 17-year-old with a warm smile and a vintage Batman T-shirt. He also loves to draw his own superheroes, play video games, and he's crazy about his dog. He's a half Shih Tzu, half Yorkie. His name's Simba. I've always wanted a dog since I was little, and the first day I met him, I was asleep, and his face was just like an inch from my face, just like staring at me. And then once he sees that my eyes are open, he just attacks my face and I wake up. (laughs) Jonathan was raised by his mom, Candida, in Brooklyn. My mom is a home attendant, so she takes care of the elderly. My dad works at a deli grill, he's a chef. His parents are from the Dominican Republic and speak limited English. I will be the first generation to go to college. My parents aren't really involved in my college process. They just, their biggest concern is me going to college and I, I think because they're not really from here, they don't know the process at all. I think that many of my students have great concern about about who will be able to provide them the support they need to make it through the process. Josh Steckel is Jonathan's college counselor at the Brooklyn School for Collaborative Studies. It's a progressive public high school in New York City. I think that it's extremely difficult for many students to imagine themselves as college students. It's hard to know for them what that would look like. Many students feel tremendous anxiety about how they actually get through the process. What applications do I complete? How do I complete them? Then without a doubt, 
there's a, a great big question about affordability. Jonathan seems up for the challenge. This summer, he raised hundreds of dollars when he set up a GoFundMe site to help cover costs of a pre-college program he attended at Skidmore in Saratoga, New York. It paid off. Yeah, I loved it. It's such a beautiful place, the grass and the meadows. And it's been kind of a transition coming back to the city where it's concrete and... You know, people don't really smile back at you. And while Jonathan has a strong GPA... I know it's in the low 90s, so I'm really happy with that. But also the SAT is also really nervous because I'm not sure how bad SAT is going to bring me down. So Josh Steckel steers his 12th graders towards colleges willing to see potential beyond test scores. He tries to encourage face-to-face meetings. I think, you know, the traditional way of describing that, of course, is an interview. But there's, there's sort of lots of ways that that can happen. And I think it's one of the reasons why it's so important for students, specifically first-generation college students, to have quality college counseling and the opportunity to connect with admissions counselors at a variety of institutions. In fact, many colleges are looking for good, under-the-radar students like Jonathan. But without an involved high school counselor like Steckel to help these kids stand out, some get overlooked. I remember one admissions counselor from Bates College who very explicitly shared, like, you know, I I really had to pound the pavement to get to you. Um, And I was extremely grateful that he did. About two miles south in Brooklyn's Prospect Park, we meet with August Graves. Finally, like, it's such a nuisance to, like, have to walk around the gate because normally to get home, we just cut through. August is an easygoing 17-year-old. She attends Nest, a public high school in Manhattan with a math and science focus. And as evidence of how drawn out this college process has become, August is still bothered by some low scores from back in ninth grade. It's up to you to, like, deal with yourself from, like, four years ago, and, like, I failed, like, a final in ninth grade, and so now I'm, like, looking back at that, like, oh, man, why did I do that? Like, I have to deal with that all by myself now. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's all about the GPA right now, and because of my freshman year, my GPA is a little low. It's a 86.7. And that just might be her biggest obstacle to getting into her first choice, Tufts University. She's, I think, not represented well by her transcript. This is August's mother, Amy Graves. She keeps a close eye on her daughter's grades. For me, I want to see how we can make her look the best as she possibly can. It would kill me if the colleges are looking at just numbers and not understanding the full story. And this year she got like all 90s, like everything above a 90 except for the 88 pre-calc. But to me, that's like huge. August is a serious soccer player, although not necessarily at the level to warrant an athletic scholarship. Steve LeManager, formerly of Princeton, notes that grades, while important to college admissions, aren't the whole story. There are other factors, too, that weigh in quite heavily. And it all centers around what are the institutional priorities of a particular college. And, and if, if one of the priorities is to have a marvelous lacrosse team and successful lacrosse team, well, then that takes a high priority in terms of the admission process. Well, and to me, it would break my heart if Tufts was totally out of reach. At this point, both Amy and August agree that applying early decision will probably give August her best shot. Just try. Go for it. I don't know if you're good enough. I have no idea if your grades are good enough, but might as well try. Across the Hudson River from Manhattan in the New Jersey suburbs, a gregarious young woman is hoping her creative passion will help her find the right college. When hope was 
My name is Alessandra LaPera and I am 17 years old and go to Villa Walsh Academy in Morristown, New Jersey. Alessandra's passion is performing, especially musical theater. I would say performing more religiously since fifth grade. We first met Alessandra at home, a brick colonial on a leafy cul-de-sac. She was about to head out to a dress rehearsal for a local production of Mary Poppins. I'm Mrs. Banks. The character is very dynamic. Actually, more so in the play than the movie, so I'm really excited about that. Alessandra knows exactly what she wants from her college experience. To be studying the art of drama, to actually go to school and just immerse yourself in technique and method, I'm just so excited for that because I I, I just feel like I'm going to learn so much and just grow. So she's looking at a long list of colleges with strong theater programs. NYU, Tisch, obviously, Juilliard, uh, Rutgers, Montclair, Pace, Drew University. And I'm thinking about Muhlenberg. And I am thinking about Marymount, Manhattan. Applying to multiple colleges is easier than ever today, thanks to the widely accepted Common Application, otherwise known as the Common App. And many families feel pressure to hedge their bets by applying to more and more schools. That's something we'll discuss in future episodes. But the strategy has a price. Cost, believe me, costs can reach the thousands of dollars very, very quickly. Once you are applying via the Common App, once you are submitting your test scores to all of these schools, it is not unusual to to get into $1,000 at all for my students. Amy Young is the director of college counseling at Avenues, a relatively new independent school in Manhattan. And it's also more work for these students because oftentimes students, if you're applying to a college, you have additional essays to write. So we call those the supplemental essays. So it's costlier. It's more work. It's more anxiety. It's, so it's not just checking a box. Alessandra is also coping with a serious case of Lyme disease. Missing so much school junior year affected her GPA and it prevented her from taking standardized tests. She signed up to take the ACT twice this fall. I'm honestly really nervous how I'm going to balance everyday schoolwork plus college applications and on top of that auditions and Lyme treatments because there are some days where I have to go to a Lyme treatment. Some of them are three to four hours long and I have to come out of school. Alessandra will be leaning a lot on her mom, Gina. She's my first, my oldest, and so it's exciting on one end, but it's a little scary, and I have some fears about it on the other. Like how they're going to pay for college. The only thing I know I can count on is my income, and so I know that we are going to need financial aid. And like countless parents of high school seniors, Gina would love a roadmap for getting through the process this fall. We know now she has to take the tests, but then the application process and the deadline dates and going to look at the colleges and what is a good order for all of this because we're figuring it out as we go the steam floor so science labs are on the side art studios are the private school avenues overlooks the high line the elevated park in manhattan's chelsea neighborhood my name is ellis wells i'm a 12th grader at a new school called avenues the world school this will be my fourth year i live in new york manhattan ellis meets with his college advisor amy young for their first session of the all-important senior year 
We sent students off for the summer to do college visits and then have interesting and exciting summers. So we are coming back together and uh, getting updates from students on their visits, hearing about how diligently they've been working on their common applications and their common application essays. Um, so yeah, getting updates and then setting, setting the, the agenda to move forward for the fall. Avenues opened in 2012, so Ellis is in Avenues' very first graduating class, and it's the first time ever the school's students have applied to college. In some ways, this puts Ellis in uncharted waters. You don't have a class above you that has graduated to sort of give you any sense of what that is like, what the calendar is like, what the challenges will be, what you can expect, but you guys seem up for the challenge. We've never experienced a class that, you know, when they all get their letters back saying you've been admitted, you know, we haven't had that sort of vibe in the school yet, that environment. Ellis has a relaxed confidence about him. He loves golf, tennis, and designing things. Avenues carves out time for students to pursue self-directed study called Mastery Projects. Last year for his Mastery Project, he and a classmate built a drone, and it actually worked. It's like took off and flew 30 feet up in the air, which is the highest we've ever gotten and then hit the ceiling and free fall down and crashed. But uh, it was kind of like an exciting uh, end. <laughs> Today, Amy's working with Ellis on shaping his essay. A clear sense of the student's own voice, their narrative, is something colleges really want to see. But what exactly is it? Is it something beyond telling a personal story in an essay? What does narrative mean for high schoolers who've spent much of their lives doing the same things as other students? The narrative is actually a moment you reach in end of junior year, beginning of senior year, when you look back at everything you've done and you try to make sense of it. It's this incredibly valuable moment of self-reflection. One of the ways where you can really discover your own narrative is by looking at the instances where you have made choices about how you spend your time, right? And a lot of that is summer. So when when we have a discussion about narrative, oftentimes it will start with, how have you chosen to spend your summers? What have you chosen to do? And Ellis has chosen to do some really interesting things. Ellis's draft essay is shaping up nicely. It's about his experiences in Italy, apprenticing with a butcher in Tuscany. The one thing I'm taking out of that in projecting in my essay is the idea of like communicating in a different way. Um, in school, we learn how to communicate through you know, our writing and then explaining, especially avenues, we um, really strong believers in discussion-based learning. But I think one skill I learned in Italy was um, how to communicate through your work, through your actions, things like that. He's looking at schools in the southeast mostly, including Duke, Vanderbilt, and Wake Forest. Ellis seems upbeat going into the school year, but he's a little worried that his application could be overlooked when it lands in the admissions office. You know, schools will read 30,000. I mean, maybe they don't read them all, but they'll get 30,000 applications, upward of 30,000 applications. Like, what makes 1,000 of those applications stand out to a college? It's a question that's on everyone's mind. In the coming weeks, we'll hear more from Ellis, Alessandra, Jonathan, August, and other seniors. And they'll be meeting our panel of experts, the former admissions officers and high school college counselors who are ready to answer their questions. To start things off, we asked our panel to break down some of the misconceptions families and students have about admissions. Steve LeManager sees way too many families get anxious over what he calls... The high-stakes game of getting into that brand-name school. You'll remember Steve from the top of the show. He's the former director of admission at Princeton. There are so many wonderful colleges and universities in this country and abroad that are largely ignored by families and students. So I think that's 
that's a huge misconception that um, if you go beyond that top 20, 25, 30 schools, uh, you, you fall into a valley of mediocrity. And that's just not the case. And we can't ignore the insanely high cost of higher education. Park Muth, our former admission officer at the University of Virginia, says parents and students are under tremendous stress and anxiety surrounding money. How am I going to pay for this? <laughs> um, how am I going to take on a lot of debt? There are a lot of people out there that really don't know that much about how many wonderful options there are and how they can cut costs. Another misconception that I know from my time at Stanford is that a lot of parents believe they have to do the work of the application process for their kids. It's a classic trap we parents fall into. We think, if I can just help them over this hurdle, the college application, then we'll get where we want them to go, and and then we can feel proud of that brand name that we can drop at cocktail parties. And then there's that tiny number of families who intends to try to buy their way in. But unless your family is literally prepared to donate a new library, which at least one of our experts confirms can and does unlock the admissions doors at some schools, the odds at the most selective colleges are daunting for everyone. Understanding truly how competitive some of these institutions are is a huge moment of awakening that happens at different times for different kids and different families. That was Amy Young of Avenue School. She hears a certain plea from parents and their kids over and over again. If I can just demonstrate to this college how much I want to go, (laughs) I really want to go. And if I can demonstrate that sense of genuine desire, they're going to pick me up. When the fact of the matter is that, you know, you you can be a wonderful student, you can have wonderful personal qualities, you can desperately want to go to that school, but that's not actually what the selection process is about. Over the course of the next nine months... Getting In will follow these students, their families, their counselors, and we hope some of you through the key moments of the application process. As deadlines approach and tensions rise, we'll tackle subjects such as essay writing, resume building, standardized tests, applying early, the Common App, financial aid, the moment acceptances and rejections go out, and ultimately, how to choose the best school for you. And in between these more detailed episodes, our experts have agreed to answer questions each week from students and parents in the audience. Send us an email, or better yet, a voice memo, to gettingin@slate.com, Or you can call our hotline and leave a message. That number is 929-999-4353. Again, that's 929-999-4353. You'll find all our episodes, plus lots of other useful resources, at slate.com slash getting in. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It helps other people discover our show. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Julie Lithcott Hames, and I hope you'll join us next time on Getting In. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Production help from Barry Finkel. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. 